Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's right. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. It don't get no better than that, man. Cook throws the deep ball and it's wide open. Inside the 30, Lovett makes a move. They'll stretch the field to the wide side. Here's Burden, the elusive freshman. Stays on his feet. He will take it to the end zone. What a drive for Missouri. This is the Mazodcast. And howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And we are coming to you, I guess, at the conclusion of SEC Media Days, which wasn't too exciting for us, but it is kind of the opening entryway to the fact that college football season is actually in the foreseeable future. It's late July while we're recording this. In uh, scant two months, we're going to be knee-deep in college football action. Less than two months, really. A month. Colin, are you getting excited about the Tiger season this year, or how are you feeling? It's hard to get excited because I don't know who the quarterback is, and it's one of these things I keep hearing, you know, like it's Cook's job to lose, which is, you know, makes perfect sense. I mean, he was the starter for 14 games last season, so why wouldn't it be his job to lose? I just feel like there's a lot of chatter out there like, oh, yeah, that's just a foregone conclusion. He's going to be the quarterback. And I'm just, I just feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Uh, you know, who, who did you guys not watch the same football that I did last week? Or we uh, responded to a tweet on Twitter. Uh, basically, it was, you know, let, let Brady cook and uh, said we're happy to let him cook, like, you know, chicken parm. Just don't let him be the chick, you know, the starting quarterback. Got a ton of pushback, you know, I just, and uh, listen, I get it. He's a Mizzou guy. You know, there's pictures of him, a, uh, a little, little ginger with his Mizzou clothes on, and, and that makes everybody love him. But I, I, I got nothing against him personally. I, I just want somebody can play quarterback because between Burden, Theo Weiss, who out of Oklahoma, yeah. 10 scores, over 1,000 yards receiving, you know, that four-star freshman Manning's coming in. I mean, there are going to be guys to throw the ball to. Uh, if you just have somebody that can throw the ball. And man, I hope uh, Brady Cook proves me wrong, but 
it's going to be hard to stay on that Drinkwitz bandwagon. The thing about, uh, and, and I know he starts day one. Yeah, the 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 I know we've been harping on the quarterback situation most of the off season and the few podcasts that we have done, but the season sort of hinges on this position being settled, and it has not been settled for so long. And I think a lot of people who are giving Brady Cook all the benefit of the doubt are saying, "Look, he was hurt last year." And um, he played anyway. And to me, I get that. I, I mean, I understand. It's like, well, he, maybe he'll be better this year than he was last year. He's got another year of experience. And hopefully he his torn labrum has healed. But the fact that Eli Drinkwitz decided that marching a guy who wasn't particularly good out with a torn labrum was his best quarterback option. Um, to me, last year, like... One, it speaks to you have a severe deficit of quarterback talent if that's your best option. Look, the the thing about Sam Horn, and obviously we want to see Sam Horn, it drives us crazy that we didn't see much of Sam Horn last year. The thing about him playing is that he's got so much more of an upside than Brady Cook, who just frankly doesn't. And we all know this to be true. I mean, we maybe we want him to be able to uh, do fantastic things for this program. But he, he's just not that guy, and he's just not going to be that guy. Garcia, I mean, I think a lot of people, well, I don't want to say a lot of people, but Colin, we watched some local news, and they're like, well, it's going to be Cook or Garcia, Cook or Garcia, and they didn't even mention Sam Horn. I just want there to be closure on this, and I want whoever is behind center to be able to throw to these fucking studs we're going to have at the receiver core because – it was so frustrating last year to look at a guy named, like Luther Burden, who, granted, was a raw freshman, but like he just wasn't going to get any deep balls from Brady Cook. And then you got guys like Lovett, who just said, fuck this team. I want to go somewhere where somebody can actually toss me the ball. I mean, the thing that bums me about this season the most already is that Lovett was our best player, and he went to Georgia. That's, that's a fucking bummer, you know, but... Like you said, we got this kid. Well, then, Wingo to, then Wingo to UCLA. Yeah, but I mean to to stay in conference. That's extra hard hard to take. But but like you said, Theo Weiss coming in from from Oklahoma, and this is a guy who had like ten touchdowns, a thousand yards receiving. Like this is a real dude. You know, he's coming in as a senior on the transfer portal. But that's what Luther Burden needs. Is Luther Burden needs somebody else to be a threat. That's how he gets open. That's how he puts up big numbers. But that's never going to happen unless somebody who can whip it. Is throwing the ball, and we know Sam Horn can whip it. But like Colin, I think I'm sure you probably read or saw some of the stuff that Drinkwitz was saying about Sam Horn last year, and saying part of the reason that he redshirted most of the year was that it wasn't just on the field stuff. It was just like he wasn't preparing for games properly. He wasn't staying in shape. He wasn't going to class. You know, basically, he was like mm. he was coming out of high school. He wasn't giving it 110 percent off the field. And he just had to, you know, like mature to be ready for this level of play. And that he, and you know, that Horn and his family were perfectly happy for him redshirting because he he just wasn't ready. Let's take Eli Drinkwitz at his word. And okay, fine. But he better be ready this year because that's a coach's job, right? To get a guy who's talented, but maybe young and immature to get their head straight. That's their job. And if you can't well, get them their head straight in a year or two, then why did you recruit them? And, you know, you, you've got yourself a failure on your hands. So if he can't play, not because of his talent, 
but because he can't do the stuff off the field properly, that's a coaching problem because you know he's got the arm. You know he – I mean, this guy's going to play Major League Baseball if he doesn't play football. So, like, he's got the talent level. So, if he can't get his shit together off the field to be eligible to play on the field, that's an indictment of the coaches as much as it is the player who can't get his head right. Well, Brennan, I think – you know, I said I was on the uh, Spurs Up podcast uh, today, and uh, you know, I had made mention of them. You know, it, it really says one of two things, neither of which is a great look for Drinkwitz. It's either he doesn't know who the right person to start is, or he just simply doesn't have anybody on the roster good enough to keep Brady Cook on the bench. Neither is a good look. I, I hate bagging on Brady Cook because you know he's a fucking straight up, you know, hustler. You know, what I mean, he's a he is a Mizzou kid, and it'd be great for him to be the guy. And maybe the torn labor will be the reason. But he is, as the you know conventional media would tell you, limited. And so, like I said, it it becomes the uh, the overarching point. But let's talk about something other than the quarterback because we've been we've talked that to death. Yeah, let's we talk have. about this defense a little bit, Brennan. They are mm-hmm. they are probably more likely going to be the star of this football team than uh, whoever's behind center. That's the talk. Tyron Hopper being first and foremost amongst the people I'm excited to see back on the field. Uh, the fact that he did not um, leave college, I found shocking. And I can't wait to see what he does this year because he was a fucking absolute missile last year. We got Rakestraw and Abrams Drain at, at cornerback. I, you know, that's as good a, a cornerback tandem as you're going to have at Mizzou, I feel like. Those guys are both solid. Carlisle. Is back in their secondary. He seems like a just tr- tr- a great playmaker. So there's just a lot to be excited about. I can't remember the kids. Uh, they get, they picked up another linebacker, I think, in the portal, who's pretty highly rated. You know, they the defensive line's the only part that really worries me. I mean, they've got uh, you know Darius Robinson on the defensive line, but the defensive line they lost Wingo. Um, that's my biggest concern is up front. I think the back end of the defense is going to be really good if and if the. Uh, the guys up front can be just adequate. I think our defense is going to be really good. They're going to have to be because the offense was pretty bad last year. I mean, frustratingly bad to say the least. And we talk about that defense as being something that SEC teams are. I guess put it this way. The SEC media picked Mizzou to finish sixth in the East this year out of seven teams. This is very common. We're often picked that way. The problem has been the last couple of years yeah. is that these have been accurate predictions almost. You know, like they, they don't think much of Missouri. And recently under Drinkwitz, we haven't been much. We're always going to be picked six. It doesn't matter who we're returning. You know, it doesn't matter what our team looks like. But Missouri fans are saying, well, they are not counting on, they're not looking at our defense, boy, because this defense could stop anybody. And I don't know. Maybe they can. Say we could, say we kept every team to two touchdowns. So we scored every team who played against us scored 14 points. I mean, there's a lot of games where <laughs> if we look like we look last year, we're going to score 10 points, you know, like we have, and when they say, well, we lost a lot of close games. It's because our offense was so fucking bad that it didn't matter how good our defense was. So I hope our defense is as good as promised, but it will mean fuck all if we can't score. And I know when you said we've beaten the quarterback thing to death, Colin, but it all comes back to the quarterback. I mean, you know, well, when you talk about defense, it makes me think about quarterbacks. I understand. And as I said, the quarterback's the most important position. It's the it's the decision that is unsettled at this point. I think another thing that concerns me um, on the offense, though, is uh, Cody Schrader is coming back. Yeah. He, he was a was a fine running back. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think. He's he was fine. Fine. 
Yeah, fine. He was fine. But, I mean, honestly, if you're going to compete at the SEC, especially with a um, middling quarterback, you better have a pretty good running back. And mm-hmm. uh, he, Trader's fine. And he's maybe he'll be more fine. than fine this year. But if he's just the same guy he was last year, uh, it's really not going to be good enough to compete in the SEC. We're going to have to get more out of the running back position, too. And I think there's so much you know, focus on the quarterback that people sort of just kind of forget about it. But it's, it's, it wasn't good. We weren't good enough there either. Well, um, and, and, and to me, I'm not just looking at Schrader because Schrader is what Schrader is. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's a scrappy back. He's fine. But, you know, we also had Tavoris Jones, who's, you know, he redshirted last year. He was, you know, one of, on ESPN's top 300 and running backs, four-star kid, again, much like Horn, we didn't see a lick of action from him. I have – look, when we recruit four-star kids or five-star kids to Mizzou, I'd like to see them play. I know that's a crazy thought, Drinkwitz. But um, – and look, I get it. You know, kids come in as freshmen and they're raw. But I also know we live in the transfer portal world. So either we play our guys or we don't play the guys. And um, I am hopeful that Corey Schrader sees a lot of backup minutes – for Jones, <laughs> I hope that kid grounds and pounds because two years ago, the only offense we had was Tyler Beatty. Like, let's not forget, we have never been able to throw the ball under Eli Drinkwitz. Never. And so if we don't have our quarterback situation figured out, we damn well better have a running back situation figured out. And uh, I think that Schrader is kind of a Brady Cook level running back, which is a they're going to beat the hell out of a Missouri state. They're not going to beat Georgia. You know, they're not going to beat Tennessee. They're probably not going to beat South Carolina. We need, I expect better. You know, I expect four star guys to play like four star guys and play. Just well, play. That's what I was alluding to is like he is still on the roster. And though I haven't heard any fanfare about him, it's all been about Cody Schrader. Mm-hmm. Sort of feel like we're, we're dealing with an ish witter situation here. There's a chance that that kid turns out to play and be, you know, worth his four-star ranking. And, and goddamn, Drinkwitz needs him to be because I feel like we've seen a lot of big-time recruits not see the field. I think you could also see there was definitely a year lapse sort of in that recruiting uh, prowess that Drinkwitz had. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that we've got some young guys from yet last year coming in. We got a lot of good freshmen coming in, but there's there's a lack of depth at some of these positions, especially on offense. We should have the horses in the stable because while recruiting is okay right now, it's fine. Um, It'll be fine. And it has been fine. But the first couple years under Drinkwitz, it was great. It was some of the best recruiting classes Missouri's ever seen. And those kids are starting to – they're not freshmen anymore. Let's just put it that way. This is their time to shine. And several of those guys are offensive guys. So we need – them to step up. We need to see new stars emerge on offense and to really to reward this defense for what they have been able to do last year and what they hopefully will do this year. Like it doesn't matter. The defense is always at the mercy of the offense. You know, it's just like pitchers are always at the mercy of their, at the hitters, you know, you can, you can uh, throw a beautiful nine innings and give up one run. But if your offense can't fucking muster two runs, you lose, and that's the same way with the defense. And so, we've got to be able to figure things out on offense. And I guess the reason I, you know, I'm I've been famously hard on Eli Drinkwitz is he's an offensive coach. He came in as an offensive guru, and our offense has yeah. been fucking terrible. 
Well, Brendan, now we got this Kirby guy, and he's gonna he's gonna fix it all. So, well, uh, I mean, good. I hope he does. Drinkowitz said it, you know, in media days, like he's so happy about this, and he gives me the opportunity to be more the CEO, selling it as if it was his idea, and not um, like a sort of a stipulation of his contract extension. Be like, sure, yeah. we need the extension. You're gonna fire an offensive coordinator. Yeah. I think is probably the way that actually went. And but I, I think that's uh, you know something that could give you some optimism is that be like Drinkwitz has gotten the play calling taken out of his hands because man, every year he's been here, the play calling has gotten progressively worse to the point yeah. where last year it's like, this guy doesn't seem to understand situational football at all. Like he is yeah. literally just closing his eye looking at the play chart and putting his finger down. It seems like half the time. Yeah. Um, and then you've mentioned before how nutless he's been in play calling. Like he doesn't go for and forth down. There's never any like sort of nothing anything, bold. I don't know. Yeah. Everything just sort of, very mundane and like, hey, let's punt, let's punt it yeah. up. He needed to give up those reins, and, and like I said, that's that's good. That's uh, you know, means there's another set of eyes on there. And listen, drink was play calling was bad enough last season that I think anybody would have to be in a group. <laughs> I mean, that that is something I am optimistic about. I will turn my frown upside down here a little bit because um, I've been it's I've been as pessimistic this off season as in any year that I can remember in the last decade, since certainly since we've been doing this podcast. And there are things that I am optimistic about. And one is that Drinkwitz isn't uh, calling the place. That is a good thing. Like you said, even if our new offensive coordinator isn't great, it can't be much worse. The, another thing that's given me a little optimism, Colin, to try to be positive is that I do think a lot of our opponents, particularly our conference opponents, are overlooking at us are overlooking us, which they tend to do, but particularly this season, because there's a lot of schools like Arkansas and South Carolina that they cannot count Missouri as a guaranteed win, but yet they do. And so if our defense is good and if we have a quarterback who looks sharp, we're going to beat some of these SEC schools, especially early because they aren't going to see us coming. So, well, let's put our money where our mouth is, Colin. Let's just take a look at our upcoming schedule and count the wins, count the losses, and and see where we think realistically we can come up. So let's start at the beginning. You know, we're we're playing. We're bringing, uh -huh. We should preface this by saying, like, you're about your own math. We need at least four SEC wins, right? And was it eight or what? Eight or nine? We need eight wins. The Barry. Yeah. So so this will be the oh, like the fourth season for Eli Drinkwitz. Barry Odom had four seasons for him to have. Been as it's like the Mendoza line is the 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 Barry Odom line. If for him to be just to the level that got Barry Odom fired, he will need eight wins overall and four conference wins. And while that's not an astronomical, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. It's a lot, and that is. I just want to remind everybody that is just what he needs to get Barry Odom fired. You know. That's, yeah. And that's how far back he is from just what Barry Odom did. So I know people haven't dropped off the Drinkwitz bandwagon. People didn't drink off, drop off the Barry Odom bandwagon right away. He's got a long way to go, and he's got a lot to prove. And that's why I think this has to be the make or break year. And I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. But uh, let's go through this, Colin, and see if that Barry Odom bar, the Mendoza line, is possible this season. Shall we? Sure. All right. So we host South Dakota August 31st here in Columbia, 7 p.m. Thursday night game. I mean, we've got to win that game. Right? If we lose that game, then just we don't need to go through the rest of the schedule. Yeah, I think that uh, the worst part about this is if Brady Cook 
is in fact our starter and has a big game here, I think you're going to see a lot of in our comments like, see, we told you. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, there'll be a lot of comments from me like, pump the brakes, Chief. It's, it's South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do get a lot of reaction. I mean, that's the great thing about fans is they're reacting to whatever happened 20 seconds ago. But, yeah, so we need to beat South Dakota. We need Brady Cook or whoever to look impressive. I am hearing, Colin, that in spring, Sam Horn looks like by far the most talented of the quarterbacks. For whatever factors that Eli Drinkwitz puts into his uh, decision-making stew, Horn's looking good in spring. Anyway, let's move to second game. Middle Tennessee hosted again in Columbia at Faroe Field, 6 p.m. Saturday night, September 9th. Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee is a team I feel like don't want to sleep on. Uh, they have come in and fucked with teams before, but again, it's another game where we have to win it. You know, Missouri's schedule sets up early to give us a, a, a pretty decent a pretty decent record, really going into the teeth of our schedule in the SEC. But uh, yeah, this is, this is a must win. I mean, if you're not winning this game, then your season's over before it starts. Yeah, um, they did upset number 25 Miami last year. Miami didn't turn out too great overall, but uh, they will, uh, you, you can't overlook them. That takes us to an, the third straight home game of the season, September 16th, 11 a.m. start. This is a rematch from last year, Kansas State. Kansas State game last year, I listed on our last podcast as one of the top five reasons. I am very down on Eli Drinkwitz because we didn't just lose to Kansas State. We were embarrassed by Kansas State. And Kansas State fans reveled in it in a way that I don't feel like they deserve. They are not the program that they think they are. But we certainly made them look like it in 2022. If we're going to turn this thing around, if we're going to beat the Bariota-Mendoza line, we got to beat these motherfuckers at home. This is of the game's that uh, we start out with. This is the one where I think we're probably not going to be favorites. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we've got some early on games where we'll be the favorite, but mm-hmm. I don't think this is one of them. It's always nice to be the underdog. Hopefully uh, Kansas state comes in a little overconfident based on the bedwetting they saw out of us last year. But yeah, this again, another game where you just feel like if you're going to have the season you want to have, if, if uh, Eli Drankwitz is going to beat that Mendoza line, he's going to have to win this game. If he does win this game, I think we can really start looking at this season with a lot more optimism and excitement because it's a Power 5 opponent. It's a Power 5 opponent that embarrassed us the year before, and it means we've turned things around. But the way I'm looking at Eli Drinkwitz and company right now, it's a real show-me state kind of thing, and they're going to have to show me, and until they can, I'm marking it down as a loss. I think we're 2-1. and one. Going into okay. the next week, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm hope springs eternal. I'm thinking we're gonna come out of the shoot, just you know, like a house on fire. And we're gonna win this three games, three and zero, oh, big win for the Mizzou Tigers against Kansas State. That takes us to our final non-con game of the season before we enter conference play. This is an interesting one. We're going to be playing Memphis at formerly known as the Edward Jones Dome, the Dome at the America Center, unnamed currently. In St. Louis, uh, this is a venue we used to play Illinois. I think we had five straight years against Illinois. We had five straight victories against Illinois. Illinois decided they didn't want to do it anymore after a while. I don't know why, but weird. We're playing Memphis. You know, Memphis isn't that much further from St. Louis than Columbia is, really. So it'd be a, geographically, it'd be interesting. But it'll essentially be a home game. There's a hell of a lot more Mizzou fans, I think, than Memphis fans <laughs> in St. Louis. 
But I, I feel like Memphis is another one of those teams like Middle Tennessee that can jump up and bite you. We're going to have to win it. And honestly, I think we will win it. So I'm going to go 3-1, and one, closing out non-con play. I've got us 4-0. We're halfway to that eight eight wins we need for the Barry Odom line. <laughs> All right. Colin's got us 4-0. We're, I got us at 3-1. and one. We have a soft entry into conference play. We do go on the road, but September 30th, we will be playing Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. Brady Cook, Jake Garcia, Sam Horn, I don't care. I think Missouri comes out the victor over Vanderbilt. Well, they better. Yeah. <laughs> Call me a Pollyanna. Yeah, Vanderbilt's one of those games, if you lose to Vanderbilt, you just, again, write your season off. Mm-hmm. You know, we always have to manage our expectations for what we expect out of our football team. And, you know, like an SEC East championship is, is probably a bridge too far, but I don't think uh, beating Vanderbilt is, and I don't – if you're going to win nine games, if you're going to be maybe second in the SEC, which I think is our – High watermark. That's what we could hope to do. Like, if you, I don't think there's any way you're going to topple Georgia, but you know, if you're going to really surprise somebody and do something crazy, it could be finish up behind Georgia, and that would shock everyone. And uh, you can't do that if you lose games like Vanderbilt. All right, so uh, I got us four and one, uh, one conference win, and uh, what are you just looking at five and zero oh on the Colin prediction map? Yep, five and zero, oh, Britain. Five and zero. Oh. We're okay. House of Fire. Well, now things start to get interesting because we're coming back to Columbia. I'm sure they're scared because the last time they came to town, we whooped them good. But uh, the the LSU Tigers are uh, coming to Columbia October 7th for O'Field. Wow. Uh, Brian Kelly has really got these guys rocking and rolling. Started off a little slow last year, but they are looking good now. I don't think there's a way under the sun that Missouri will win this game. Yeah, I'd love to say we start 6-0, and but... Uh, this is not the LSU team that we beat at home uh, a scant few years ago. You mean the reigning national right. champion LSU Tigers? Yeah, maybe? reigning national champions. Um, no, this is not that team. And uh, I don't think we can expect another victory, honestly. That's oh. okay. That's okay. We're, you can't win them all. But uh, it would be great to beat Brian Kelly. I just feel like, you know, in a profession full of phonies, like Brian Kelly is one of the biggest phonies. You, know, <laughs> you, you don't think his uh... adopts. Adopts an accent um, when he takes up a job. How y'all are? I love me some LSU. Especially yeah. coming off of Coach O, the most genuinely yeah. Louisiana guy in the yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I've got us at four and two. Colin's got us at our first blemish on the resume, five and one. Five and one. Yeah. Still looking good for the Barrio de Mendoza line on Colin's resume. Okay, this is a real uh, test for Mizzou, I think, because, again, this is an indicator of what we're going to be looking at season-wise. We're going to Lexington, Kentucky, to face Mark Stoops' Kentucky Wildcats. The Wildcats are a team Missouri has struggled with ever since Gary Pinkle left campus. They've been they've been good, not great, for a long time. They're like a perennial nine-win team, but that's been good enough to topple the Tigers this is on the road. I'm truly vexed about this game because I don't know what we're going to look like. I don't know who our quarterback's going to be. I think if we do have good quarterback play, whoever it is, we beat Kentucky. But I don't know if we're going to have good quarterback play. Yeah, I don't know what Kentucky's going to be this season. You know, I don't know what we're up against. This is a game I think Drinkos needs to win, not just because we need it for the record, but just because this is a monkey that's got to get it off the bat. Yeah, Kentucky beat us by five 
points in a controversial win last year, 21-17. I mean, we weren't a very good team last year, and it was late into the season. We we were who we thought we were in late, no, you know, in November. Um, Kentucky isn't that great. I think they are a beatable team, and that's just maybe this is the Mizzou fan Pollyanna and me, but I I'm picking it to be a win, and I'm going full five and two leaving Lexington. I'm going to. This is one of those situations where Mizzou's going to have to show it to me because Kentucky's had our number, yeah. and I'm I feel like I'm an Arkansas fan if I start picking Mizzou over Kentucky. Like like we, we don't deserve to be picked over Kentucky. Like we have. They have thoroughly owned us, and until Mizzou uh, breaks that curse, I'm going to just pick Kentucky. Okay, so you have got us now at uh, five and five and two. two. That takes us to a very interesting game, and I think a pivotal one for the Tigers. We're coming back home October 21st to play South Carolina Gamecocks, and the reason I think this is so interesting, Colin, last year I would say the win over South Carolina was maybe Eli Drinkwitz's best win as the Mizzou football coach. 23-10 to 10 victory over them in late October. South Carolina went on to have a string of very impressive SEC wins following that game. I, I don't know if you remember, but our good friend Pot. Carolina Jackpot was in a dark place after that Mizzou loss. And, I mean, we fucking took it to them, never in doubt. And then South Carolina looked good, better, and great for a stretch after that game, I do think that they're going in the right direction. But, hey, but let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is Spencer Rattler still their quarterback? <laughs> because if he is, I ain't worried about it. Yeah. But the thing is, Spencer Rattler looked great when he wasn't playing the University yeah, of Missouri. Yeah, when he didn't look awful. <laughs> I mean, the difference between Spencer Rattler and uh, Brady Cook is that Brady Cook never had some sort of fantastic lights out game. But I mean, Spencer Rattler, he laid as many dog turns as he laid, you know, as he had good games. And so I just, I, just, I think people are a little too high on South Carolina. Same thing. I think Mizzou is going to handle South Carolina. We have had their number the way the Kentucky has had ours. If I, if I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to Mizzou in some of these games, it's going to like Mizzou's defense is. I feel like for a team like South Carolina, it's going to be too much. Okay. And that's gonna be, that's gonna be the difference in a game. I don't think a team like South Carolina is gonna have a very easy time moving the ball against us. You know, when you play a team like Georgia, our defense will show up and be stout, but they're a good enough team that it won't. We're not. It's not gonna be enough to overpower them. But I, I think if you like a team like South Carolina, our defense could definitely overpower them well, and, and make it a a very long day for them. You've talked talked me into it, Colin. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Missouri to win this one. That puts me the pessimist at six and two. After this game, getting into homecoming, and I think you're sitting at the same spot, basically six and two. Yep. Okay. Disagreement about where those losses come, but yeah. Yeah. Wait, that was homecoming. I'm sorry. I, that's not going into homecoming. That South Carolina game was homecoming. Following that, uh, you tell me we, we have to play on the road, Colin. I I want you to think long and hard, long and hard before you pick this. Uh, Missouri plays Georgia. I think I'm going to go with Georgia in this one. Okay, me too. Uh, George is going to whip our ass if we. It's one of these games where if we just look okay, you know, if we just score some points and have a little stretch somewhere deep into the second quarter where we're within three points or seven points, and then we get our ass whipped in the fourth quarter, and everybody stays healthy, <laughs> just moving on, moving on. That uh, puts us both at six and three on the year. Uh, we're both, by the way, recording two conference wins at this point we need four 
to hit the Barry Odom Mendoza line. We come back to Columbia, and then we face Tennessee, the Tennessee Volunteers, coached by Josh Heupel, a team that Eli Drinkwitz has had zero answers for prior to Eli Drinkwitz. We had no fears of this Volunteers team. I'd like to think that Eli Drinkwitz could figure these assholes out because I do hate Tennessee. But, Colin, I am not giving Eli Drinkwitz the benefit of the doubt at all until I see something else. I'm giving us another back-to-back conference loss. We lose at home to the Tennessee Volunteers. How's it you? Yeah, you know, we got lucky this year in that Tennessee and Florida are both at home. But yeah. it's hard to pick, sort of like I was talking about Kentucky, you know, Tennessee, the last couple of years, has had our number. They haven't just won those games. They have beat us handily. Um, and so until Eli Drinkwitz showed me something other than just an absolute shove to the ground sexual assault of a game, I'm going to pick fucking te- Good Tennessee. Lord. <laughs> okay. So um, I've got us with four losses. I'm sitting at six and four. You've got the same. Uh, then we have another home game, like you said. November 18th, we host the Florida Gators, and um, another my, my optimism is going to kick in. Florida is, is I think, as vulnerable as we've seen them. Um, if we want to have a good season, we need to beat them. I'm going to call it a win against the Gators. Missouri, for good years, bad years, we've had fluke luck and played well against them. I mean, beating the Gators is what saved Barry Odom one year. So I, I maybe it'll save Eli this year. So let's uh, let's give Missouri a win, win number seven. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say so. Florida's down. I I don't know. I mean, I follow Georgia foot or Georgia. I don't follow Florida football, uh, you know, all that closely. But if I'm just going to believe the talking heads uh, from the SEC media, like Florida is a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. And the people are down on Florida. Yeah. I'm prefacing all of this with the idea that we somehow have finalized a quarterback decision and that guy is reliable. But, yeah, if if things go well, I think we can beat them. And that takes us to the final regular season game of the year on CBS 3 p.m. Friday, November 24th, after Thanksgiving, our annual game against the Arkansas Razorbacks, our perennial win generally against the Arkansas Razorbacks. This was make and break, make or break, Colin. I mean, I said I am down on this year, and here I am staring down the barrel of saying that they're going to go eight and four. I can't pick against the Tigers when I see the Razorbacks on the other side. I'm going to say Missouri wins. Yeah, the Razorbacks will be a tough game. They've got a great quarterback. He'll be a handful, but again, this this reminds me again a little bit of the South Carolina game, and that I think Mizzou is going to have you know a bet. You know, I think most of these teams we're talking about are middling. Mizzou middling, but I think they're going to have an aspect to their team that most of these middling teams aren't going to have, and that is a uh, maybe elite, maybe too strong a word, but a near elite level defense. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, against South Carolina, against Arkansas, I think those teams are just going to be overwhelmed by a a really Really good defense. I think it's worth remembering that Arkansas was a real piece of shit last year. I mean, they were a dumpster fire. And, boy, Arkansas fans who are not bright people, by and large, they turned on their little savior, Sam Pittman, so fast. Yes, now, sir. Yes, sir. I think that he has recovered his image a little bit in the offseason as their memories are like goldfish. We all know that. and uh, But... If he continues his misdirected ways last year, he did ditch him 
Barry Odom is no longer on the team as a defensive coordinator. I think he was Arkansas' scapegoat last year. And, and let's not forget how much they loved them some Barry Odom up until last year. But he was Sam Pittman's bailout coach last year. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, you only get one. You get one coordinator fire before the AD starts looking at your job. So this is the last game of the season. We'll know a lot more about this Arkansas team as well as the Missouri team at this point in the on the schedule. But, like, if they're anywhere like what they were last year, they'll be quite beatable. Well, and, I think Arkansas has forgotten who they are. And what I mean by that is they had a little bit of success in their Sam Pittman. And I, not a great success, but they had been so bad for so long. Pittman did pump a little uh, – life into that program but it's as if like one season of things looking up slightly meant now we have recruits and now we have a, an easier conference schedule and now we have like no none of yeah now we're a top tier sec team yeah now you, you still don't have the talent you still have to deal with alabama and auburn and lsu and you know what i mean like these things are none of the things that make you arkansas have changed no Your coach it, changed you know we did, went through the same thing with brett Bolima. And uh, now we're going through it with Sam. Chad Morris. Yeah, we've seen it all. Yeah. Part of Arkansas's problem is both their university and their fans' expectations. It's not that Arkansas couldn't become a good program, but they're going to have to have a lot more patience and a lot more, be a lot more realistic about who and what they are if they're ever going to recover. Because if they're just going to go through this constant merry-go-round of thinking they're Alabama, hiring coaches one after the other, I don't know how you rebuild the program at Arkansas, but you, your first step, I think, is acknowledging that Arkansas is in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, that should be an easy thing to acknowledge, but it doesn't seem to be. I mean, uh, they're really hanging on to that 1964 national championship. You know, really, yeah. all Sam Pittman has bought them is one win over Missouri in the last seven years. So, like, let's let's put some things into perspective. Speaking- well, that's what I mean. That- Perspective is not, oh man, that's not a word that associated with Arkansas fans. Colin, uh, sp- very much. I, can we? Uh, I just want to just piggybacking off exactly. Arkansas guy. Yeah, let's do. Let's do that for douche. Let's talk about douche. Let's do that douche of the week. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. I'm teeing it up there. It's. I'm gonna cock tease it then. But but it is ex- okay. exactly aligned. And I think a lot of people who listen to this show know exactly what we're talking about. But yeah, let's just do the W. Yeah. All right. So I mean, Colin. I mean, we're, we didn't get there exactly the same way, but what we're looking at is an 8-4 season with four conference wins. Well, I got us at five conference wins. I had us at three and one out of conference. So that exceed. <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm exceeding the Barry Odom-Mendoza line of, of what got Barry Odom fired, eight and four, or eight wins and four conference wins. I've let's, got him in eight wins and five conference one. wins. Yeah. We went through the schedule. We came up with this this record. I feel like even having gone through the games and chosen them, I feel like the chance that we actually get there is at best 50-50. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I am looking I at this optimistically. Games yeah. and, still, and still think there's at least 50% chance we don't come anywhere near that. Well, just like I said it earlier, Colin, like this is all dependent on us getting a quarterback and them showing some level of competence because I feel – and like, there's just as equal of a chance is that we're in a fucking quarterback controversy all year long and nobody figures it out, you know, because well, why wouldn't I think that that's been Drinkwitz's MO ever since he's been co-chair quarterbacks suck and 
He hangs on to him way too fucking long. We continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. The season spirals out of control. I mean, that's what Drinkwitz do. He's captain 500 in my mind. So, I mean, I have really no reason to believe this will happen, but it could. So, and the thing is, the crazy thing is, eight and four gets us to the essentially the same record that Barry Odom had getting fired. But we wouldn't look at Eli Drinkwitz that way if he went eight and four this year. He would be certainly have the best season he's produced in his tenure here. And we would look at things on the up and up if he had. I mean, we'd be big Eli Drinkwitz fans at the end of the year after an Arkansas win going eight wins. You know, Barry Barry Odom was shown the door. It just goes to show it's a very what have you done for me lately kind of thing. But um, I agree. I I agree that odds of this happening are 50-50 at best. I think everybody knows that part of the reason Drinkwitz is getting more leash is because of the recruiting. And, but he, I mean, he, you gotta, at some point that has to, that has to show up. I mean, this is the year for me. I mean, I think we discussed it multiple times. I'm still on the bandwagon. I'm holding on by a thread. Um, but this season is it. And if you can't, I don't care how well you recruit, um, recruit. I think that maybe the only reason Eli Drinkwitz really got a contract is not because they certainly weren't worried about him being plucked away as a coach for somebody else. But I think, he recruits well enough that there are programs that would find a place for him uh, within their program. And so they probably thought, let's, let's give him a contract. Let's keep him around. Uh, let's see where it goes. But, um, you know, I, sort of like a um, Jimbo Fisher and a Petrino. Somebody would have, I mean, Petrino's a good enough coach that he ends up becoming the offensive coordinator at A&M, which I think it's pretty obvious if you paid much attention to media days that uh, Jimbo Fisher was not a fan of <laughs> you know what I mean like was not his decision yeah but um I definitely got that vibe but um I feel like they would have you know, nobody was going to make uh, Eli Drinkwitz their offensive coordinator but they would have found him a place in the program just based on his recruiting bona fides oh and I mean and you so coach you in the, the SEC yeah yeah, you know, he's coaching the SEC. They make him secondary coach or, so, you know, like running backs coach somewhere just to get him in the house so they could recruit with him. And so he didn't have the Petrino level bona fides to get an offense coordinator job, but you may have to just give him that contract to keep one of the, because he has had enough success recruiting that one of the big boys might say, Hey, you want to come, you know, come work with us? Yeah, bring us some five stars. Colin, I, I think. Eli Drinkwitz, his seat may not be as hot as I feel like it should be in part for like kind of a long view thing. If Desiree Reed Francois ha, 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 is thinking this oh. way, next year is going to be a different animal altogether when we bring two new teams into the conference, Texas and Oklahoma, who, while they may be down inherently, are going to be tougher <laughs> on us than against, you know, and it's not two Vanderbilts to bring in. Let's put it that way. No. And bringing in a, a lot of cachet, going to bring in a lot of money, and they're completely rewriting the script on who we play each year. It's not getting easier in the SEC. And do you want to bring in a brand-new coach next year? And, and then on top of that, NIL is changing the game. Missouri just passed this new law to make them one of the more favorable places to do NIL stuff because you can start collecting money as a high schooler yeah, in Missouri – and the coach has decisions on those NIL dollars. So Mizzou's, you know, they're looking good on an NIL front from a legal standpoint. They don't yeah. have the kind of money to Texas or in Oklahoma would have. But 
you know, it's it, it's going to be a whole new world in college football next year. Do you want to bring somebody in who has a little footing, or do you want to start somebody fresh? I, you know, that might help Eli Drinkwitz, even if it's not awesome this year. Well, got me is that Greg Sankey immediately went after that legislation that helps Missouri. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. the SEC yeah, yeah. don't like it. Like if it helps Alabama, they're all for it. Like it helps Mizzou, they're like, man, we really don't agree with this shit. But, you know, what are we going to do? It's a state legislature. And it's like, you guys are such turds, like such colossal turds. God forbid something happened that might moderately even the playing field. Yeah. It does make uh, me sometimes wonder. It's like, why did you ever bring us into the conference? You know, I mean, you just, yeah. I mean, we, Missouri went from being a upper middle big 12 program from, a, I think everybody's viewpoint to just a fucking Vanderbilt nothing in the SEC. No matter what happens, that's how we're, you know, like we're picked to finish six this year. We're going to be picked to finish six next year. We're going to be picked to finish six the year after that. They just, the disregard, and it just kind of makes me wonder, it's like, why did you ever even let us in in the first place? Again, I was on that Spurs Up podcast today, and that's when he's like, you guys feel disrespect? Are you surprised with that six rate? I'm like, absolutely not. I was like, I'd be surprised we weren't ranked six. I mean, give us... Give us Alabama's roster right now, and we'd still be pick six. Like, there's yeah. no, like, you know, that the beat writers in the South are not for us, where they're against us. Yeah. And I don't know what's, what could conceivably change that. I feel like the Southern beat writers for these colleges are at their local papers. You know, you're supposed to sort of remain objective. Yeah. But, like, they're unapologetically not. <laughs> like they're like no, we're basically fans of the program we're following, and uh, and that Missouri stuff. That that's not that's not that's not good. Well, Colin, as as you know, I married into Mississippi, and one thing I've learned from my many trips down south is that, uh, and this is going to come as a big shock to you, I know, but uh, they don't seem to embrace change well. And another thing is that they don't know fuck all about anything that is an SEC when it comes to college football. I mean. You know, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, whatever it is. If it's not SEC, they're just—I mean—they've never fucking heard of it. You know, it's like what's Michigan's mascot? Wolverine. Never heard of it. Like, ah, oh, they've been pretty good over time, but they've literally never heard of it. And here we come waltzing in, and they don't know anything about us, and they don't have any respect for us, and none of that has changed. Speaking of apropos of that, Colin, uh, talking about disrespect and shit. Remember. Years ago, DeLoss Dodds, the Texas long-term athletic director, basically said, our worst years at Texas are better than a team like Missouri's best years. I just wikipedia him the other day just to see if he's dead, hoping he was. He's not. He's 83 years old, still going strong. But uh, just every year, I kind of check in, just hope he dies. Sure. So uh, when when he does, I'll, uh, we will announce it and have a little celebration here at the Mazodcast that DeLoss Dodds is uh, – Having hot poker shoved up his ass in hell where he belongs. Anyway, back to the show. Colin, why don't we take our first break of the day, come back to a little Kansas news. And uh, and like you said, we got to, we got to definitely have a douche of the week to award maybe more shit. I don't know. Huzzah. With that, this is the Mazzotcast. Cast. 
Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Hey, Ms. Oddcast, it's Jamerson from Branson. Uh, ain't much going on. Uh, watched some clown porn the other night. It's pretty sweet. Uh, stuck a clown horn up her pussy, and he was sucking her butt so hard, it was making a honk. I mean, I don't know. Made me hard. I thought it was pretty cool. Anyways, NYZ. something last time we were recording that I promised that I would, which is uh, there is a Mizzou football Reddit page. I think it's uh, M-I-Z is all you got to type in. So back and forward slash M-I-Z on Reddit. Those guys who were running that page said, hey, can you give us a little shout out? It's a page all about Mizzou football on Reddit. And I said, sure. So here it is. Go there if you're on Reddit. It's a great place to uh, check stuff out while you're taking a dump. That's what I do. And uh, go to uh, forward slash M-I-Z, follow the page, and uh, basically upvote anything that says Mazodcast. Yeah, and at this point, much, 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 much less toxic than Paramusu. (laughs) I'm not saying it won't become that toxic, but if you've ever been to Paramusu, it is a cesspool of of just boomers screaming at one another. Yeah, um, it's very boomer. And, uh, so, and yeah, well, I'm not saying they're all they're, you know, by age they're boomers, but it's a very Karen boomer sort of vibe in there. And, and uh, to this point, the Reddit is uh, not nearly like that. You know, a, a lot more, uh, I don't know, friendly discussion. And way you know, they, freer. They don't tell your mother's, <laughs> yeah, you know, like when you disagree with them, they don't tell me your mother's pussy stinks, <laughs> uh, which is something that could definitely happen on Parmazoo. <laughs> Yeah, everybody's an expert, and if you disagree with them, they're going to tell you uh, your mommy's pussy stinks. Um, All right, on that note, why don't we head into Kansas news? I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. All right, Colin. Uh, first story, CDC says dozens of people got diarrhea after playing in a splash pad <laughs> and ingesting fecal matter. Did we do this story already? I don't know, Britain. People in Kansas eat shit so regularly, it's hard to keep track. Uh, it sounds like a story we've done recently. Please forgive us if we, <laughs> we have to listen to the old, the last show we did. I can't remember exactly, but dozens of people fell sick in Kansas Wildlife Park after ingesting contaminated splash pad water, according to the CDC. Two outbreaks that sickened 27 Kansans in total occurred days apart 
and it involved two contagious bugs, Shigella bacteria and the uh, ever-present norovirus in Kansas, the CDC said uh, in a Morbidity and Mortality Weekly report. Uh, Shigella bacteria causes shagellosis and results in bloody diarrhea, fevers, and mm. stomach cramps. And uh, while norovirus causes, you guessed it, more diarrhea, vomiting, and stomach pain. People can catch both bugs from ingesting contaminated water, or as Kansans call it, water. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done this story, I don't think, but we've just done so many stories it just sounds that are familiar. so similar in nature. Yeah, just, yeah, there's so much dirty, bacteria-filled water giving people diarrhea in that state. It's hard to keep track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you'd think it would be news in Kansas when somebody had a solid turd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a nice double tapered <laughs> now, job. Yeah, now, now in Wichita News, uh, <laughs> Gary Smith of uh, Southern Wichita had a solid turd today. Yeah, it was nervous, called his doctor, which is also his barber. <laughs> yeah, he's a perfect double tapered shit, <laughs> and uh, we'll be following up this story throughout the week. Yeah, but it's you. currently on display at the Kansas Museum of Natural History. <laughs> yeah. um, while some of the investigation's findings are specific to the Kansas outbreaks, others may stop people getting sick from splash pads, a general term for an outdoor play area that sprays water onto people. All 27 cases had gotten splash pad water in their mouth, the CDC said. Okay, here, this is where it gets good. Spl- <laughs> splash pads are generally for people younger than five, and kids are more likely than adults to contaminate water due to poor toileting skills, the CDC said. Diapers don't prevent water from contamination. The CDC recommends people take measures to avoid spreading or catching germs. Like, you, <laughs> the Kansas need to be told this, don't poop in the water. That sounds pretty straightforward, but yeah, so... If you guys would just, you know, do what you usually do and, you know, shit on the ground somewhere and then try to bury it with your back feet. <laughs> Don't do it in the water. That's right. Go over a drain and push it down with your big toe. Um, <laughs> just waffle stuff and right <laughs> the drain, guys. Don't bring it to the pool. Like those old Play-Doh spaghetti makers. <laughs> <laughs> this story ends like this, Colin. Sitting or standing on jets can rinse poop off your butt. Says the se- That is a quote. From your American CDC. All right, Colin, former Wichita officer who had sex with an inmate in a parking lot loses license. A former Wichita police officer who would sign an inmate out of work release to take him to church, but then instead would go have sex in a parking lot had her law enforcement license revoked last month. Sadly, Madison Callender, who also sent nude photos of herself to the inmates Kansas Department of Corrections issued phone, <laughs> on her Kansas Department of Corrections issued phone and sent and checked messages from the inmate while on duty, the Kansas Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Trainings reported. Uh, and when the department blocked her contact with the inmate, Callender tried to set up her mother as a contact with the inmate instead. Um, Good Lord, how desperate was this woman for human contact? <laughs> my God. Calendar worked for the Kansas Department of Corrections from July to December and uh, then worked for the Wichita Police Department. Um, Just going to throw it all away for an inmate. Hey, yeah. guys, off to church. Nothing to see here. Just off to church. <laughs> that's right. Going to do lots of things that everyone in society approves of. Yep, that's right. We're definitely not going to have uh, unprotected sex in the back of a Hyundai Sonata from 2019. <laughs> that's right. I'm definitely not going to do that. I'm definitely not going to let a prisoner 
squirt a map of Hawaii on my back. <laughs> yep, yep. yep. Uh, no orifices will be penetrated. Going straight to church. And do not check my phone here. because there are no pictures that look like an old roast beef rolled in cat hair. Not at all going to be on my phone. <laughs> nope. No, no. If you see anything that resembles that, it's just an open-faced roast beef sandwich I had at a local deli. Yep, dropped on the barbershop floor. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. No, nothing to be concerned about. Certainly nothing to have an investigation about. And, oh. That's a close-up of a tree knot, not an asshole. <laughs> so a, just be certain that just so we're clear. Yep. I'm, I just I, I'm, I I take pictures of nature. Got real good and close to a knot in a tree. Looks yeah. a lot like an asshole. Granted, I'll give you that. <laughs> Some people I'll think, sure. But that's not what it is. It's just the shadows that make it look that way. Um, also really into <laughs> birthday balloons and uh, particularly the knot region. Yeah, um, yeah but, balloon knot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, all that is. Very purple pink balloon. balloon. <laughs> <laughs> some say pink some are saying purple i don't know whatever it is just know it's a balloon yeah yeah um, that's right. whatever you do just know that it's not my asshole <laughs> let's just be clear about that right up front and i like that when they're on to her she's like hey mom i uh i need to send some prisoner pictures of my asshole can i give them your phone and <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Here, can I have your phone for a second? And unrelated note, I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Uh, Kansas news is good this week. Um, This is is the part I don't get. Yeah. Why are they letting prisoners be checked out of prison to go to church? I feel like (laughs) they have chaplains there, right? Like, why are we doing this? I don't know. I mean, maybe they're like, what can we get away with? What would the warden say? You know what? What's the worst that could come from this? And they're like, what if we said church? Surely they won't be butt bucking in a 2019 Hyundai Sonata backseat. (laughs) In a parking lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's not happening. It's definitely church. (laughs) I wonder if it was, in fact, a church parking lot. That would be, uh, that'd be something. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, considering it's all make believe, who really cares? <laughs> it's true enough. <laughs> Just this this uh, this story tickles me for some reason. Um, not as much as the inmate got tickled, but uh, it does no. it does tickle me. All right. Uh, camel, donkey, cow spotted roaming through Kansas neighborhood. Yeah. Again, in the world of Kansas news stories, this sounds about right. This is, again, in Wichita, so when you're not watching cops and inmates fuck, you might see a different sight. Uh, Puzzled neighbors in Goddard, Kansas, near Wichita, saw a camel, a donkey, and a cow wandering through the neighborhood. Social media raved about the early sign of Christmas. What? Social media raved about... There's a camel, I guess, and a donkey, and a cow. I don't know. What's the story from? Nativity? The nativity, I suppose. Christmas. I guess. I mean, it sounds like they're using anything as a sign for Christmas. Um, <laughs> yeah, like even the police department's Facebook page suggesting the three friends were heading toward the North Star. Just easily. <laughs> Bethlehem. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a long walk, even for a cow. We may be halfway towards a live nativity this Christmas season, the Post said. Did I pull up a story from yeah, November? Uh, but still, it uh, makes Kansas news. 
The thing I don't like about the story, Colin, is there's absolutely not a fucking goddamn thing describing why this was happening. It's just basically a stupid Facebook joke about a nativity scene, a weak, weak joke. That's the end of the story. Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. All right. I'm just not gonna, a lot of intrepid journalism going on there. Well, I mean, I guess, Colin, uh, we must fill in where the journalists failed. Why do you think a cow, a camel, and a donkey were wandering through a neighborhood outside of Wichita? Um, I just assume the uh, the slaughterhouse, you know, had a broken gate. Mm-hmm. Well, the cow, sure. The donkey, maybe. The camel, I feel like there's still a little explaining to do. Oh, I just I just feel like anything on four legs and a hoof is going to get ground to beef. At uh, and when you're in Kansas, I mean, it's like they're going to anything that's not prairie dog meat is considered gourmet. <laughs> I have a different take on it. I think one of the local Wichita strip clubs left the back door open. And uh, the dancers left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You ever seen a tits on a camel, Colin? No, I haven't. I can't say that I have. Yeah. Well, the people. A few Missouri strip clubs, but I haven't seen that. (laughs) They're more more of the pig variety than the camel variety. No, no. You know what? All the Missouri uh, strip clubs I've been to, all of them are human. And super classy. Well, I only do classy things. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, all right. Well, I mean, those are, those are all good theories and we're just going to have to leave them at theories because that's nothing more to this report. And that'll do it this week for Kansas news. Colin, I think you suggested that uh, we maybe talk douche of the week this week, which is not something we usually do in the off season, but why not? So yeah, we, we were going to, we were going to bring it up during, we were, we were talking about Arkansas earlier. Yeah. And I said, you know, let's hold on. Let's do this with Douche of the Week, because sometimes we have trouble finding Douches of the Week. But this week, not so hard. Yeah, Colin, we were talking about the Arkansas general attitude that they are better than they are based on purely, I don't know, nothing. And uh, it's not just the fans. I mean, there's a member of the SEC media. There's a guy named John Neighbors who is, well, he's he's like a local radio guy for Arkansas Razorbacks football. He does a podcast, one of those locked-on podcasts, which uh, I think Mizzou has one that they're kind of just advertising vehicles. Um, he is, he's got a blue check mark, and he's got 23,000 followers, so he's like a thing in Arkansas. But he was describing what Arkansas is in comparison to Mizzou football, uh, particularly he was mentioning Eli Drinkwitz. Let me just play what he said now because we have already pre-nominated him for the D of the W. I love how Arkansas people just completely disregard Mizzou. <laughs> I, know, yeah, I know. Because it's because it goes back to the thing where Arkansas is better than them, but they just don't win the game. You know, it's just like, you know, those years that Ole Miss beat Alabama back-to-back years, was Ole Miss a better team than Alabama? Yeah. No. They just, it just happens, you know, and that's what it feels like with Missouri. Like, Drinkwitz has not had a winning record. <laughs> that guy has not had a winning record. South Carolina just said the same thing yesterday. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, we lose it, but we shouldn't be. We yes. were the better team. Yes. And, like, and, and, you know, it's, so that's where it's like, it's, I'm putting it as if you put, measure both teams on the field talent wise all yeah. that arkansas is a better team they should win the game so that's so there you go colin uh i mean we didn't play the intro but this is of course the tj mo Dude of the week. um yeah. yeah so the guy is saying that uh, arkansas is a better team if you look at every football category arkansas is just clearly a better team than missouri the thing I thought when I heard this was like, if only there was a way that they could settle which teams were better each year in the game of football, yeah, sure. um, then we could know. 
But then I thought, wait a minute, we actually play football games every year against them. And uh, that seems to be, I don't know, some kind of measuring stick. This guy's saying it's not good enough. And the other thing I thought about this, and maybe you were onto this as too, Colin, did he just compare himself to Alabama? Weren't you just saying that Arkansas sees themselves as Alabama? Well, not only that, Brennan, he's like, you know, there was those years where Mississippi beat uh, Alabama for a couple years. I'm like, it's not a couple years, you jackass. You've won this once in seven. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, you know, like, you're you're one in seven against us late, of late. So, like, let's not pretend you're more Mississippi in this scenario than we are. Well, yeah, and, and Hugh Freeze and, and Ole Miss beat Alabama two years in a row, and Alabama was, like, at the top of their game. <laughs> so... First of all, you're not at the top of your game. You're not Alabama, and you're right, Colin. This is our we have owned Arkansas, and I've seen Arkansas fans like, well, yeah, you've had a better record, but the last couple of years you've only won by two. And I'm like, okay, so so are we now not counting wins that are close? Is that a like you're constantly making up new rules for what counts and what doesn't? And all these teams that lose to us are like, you can't count years that we're down. You can't count years that you win close. And I'm like, okay, well, it seems like um, you're really painting us into a box here. We we can't count anything. <laughs> and in that regard, yeah, I guess you're better than us if uh, we can't count seventy percent of the seasons. Yeah, basically, as long as you get rid of wins and losses and stats in general. Yeah, those guys are better than us. I mean, it is loser talk. It is douchebag talk. I mean, we're talking about douche of the week because uh, part of me wants to play it again, but it's 43 seconds long. It is the douchiest fucking thing you can say. It's like, yeah, they beat us every year, but we're better than them. Like, fuck you. You're not. Beat us then, dickhead. Nonsense. Yeah. Yes. It's it's self soothing nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I, 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 this. It's what children do. This pill is too bitter to swallow, so I'll just make up my own fantasy reality in my own head. Um, honestly, I, like it's the I, and I know this guy's job is just probably say things that get responses, but at some point, this is just dumb, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh, delusional, and you just have taken all objectivity out of this. Yeah, you know, and I feel like certainly. We try to be objective about who Mizzou is and what they are in the landscape of college football and in the SEC, you know, and we're middling. That's what we are, yeah. you know, and we, our, our goal is an SEC East title, not an S- SEC title, an SEC East title. You know, that's a big season for us. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we'll have some magical season where we can compete for a playoff spot, but that's not a realistic goal. Certainly not right now. We're a middling sports program in the SEC. I'm comfortable saying that out loud. You know what Arkansas and South Carolina are? They're middling programs in the SEC. We're all the same pe- in the same boat. The, thing the difference is, is that we're realistic about where we are, and they're like, no, we're just a, we're just a, we're just a cunt's breath away from from being Alabama. That's we're just that we're that close. It. The thing that gets me about it, Colin, is that he's saying basically that. The losing to Missouri every year is an annual anomaly, but in other every other regard, we are better. Fuck that. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for 10 fucking years. You want me to add up the win-loss record of Missouri and Arkansas in the SEC over the last 10 years? Arkansas has fucking sucked for a decade. Like, it, by any measure, any statistic, any measurable method you can use to rank a team, 
Arkansas has been shittier than us. It's just verifiably true, you stupid fucking douchebag. <laughs> and also, I, I, I think it should be noted, Colin, I reached out to the guy to say, uh, would you like to come on and talk about your comments? And he didn't respond, so you st- I felt very confident saying, you stupid fucking douchebag. Because fuck you. Yeah. Grow a pair. Grow a pair and come defend your nonsense statements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every year, Arkansas is better than Missouri. It's, fuck you. It's a, it's easy to spout off that nonsense to other mouth breathers yeah. who are fucking eating with their feet. To, you know, like they'll all agree with you. Like it, it, They're just sitting there listening to their radios, transistor <laughs> radios and their hovels and their trailers. <laughs> and, uh, and they're just like, feed us more of what we want to hear. Yeah, and then just going to a splash pad and taking a shit in the water. Your crazy uncle listening to their favorite cable news station. You know <laughs> That's I mean? like, right. Let's. I'm not listening for information. I'm listening for affirmation. Yeah, I know what I believe. I just want you to reinforce that. Yeah, I just want you to tell me what I want to hear, and I don't care, nor do I want to hear what is actually true. So anyway, comfortable giving this guy, John Neighbors, douche of the week. Douche of the week. <laughs> TJ'd be proud. TJ'd be proud. Yep. Not Jim neighbors, John TJ neighbors. Along great. Yeah, they're of the same ilk, cut from the same cloth. All right, Colin, uh, anything else we're leaving out before we uh, head off to whatever we're going to do next? We didn't really talk about SEC Media Days much. I think one thing that should have been mentioned is that uh, the situation Eli Drinkwitz is in now, he wasn't like wearing fancy tennis shoes and talking a lot of smack to other coaches and <laughs> doing his little Eli thing where he puts his thumb in people's eye. I think. He's well aware that uh, he's had not nearly enough wins to back up any of the bullshit, and the cuteness has yeah. worn off. Yeah, the, the seat's pretty hot. Hot, 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 oh, hot, 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 hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his, his seat is very, very hot. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think it was the right move because he comes in this year and he talks a bunch of shit again, and if he ends up being, I don't know, like I don't think 6-6 six and six cuts it for Eli this year. I mean, I, I think a lot of people think, oh, no, he'll survive. And, you know, I gave a rationale where next year is going to be tough with the new teams coming to the SEC. I think we've already seen that Desiree Reeve-Francois ha, 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 is all too eager to start fresh and cut her own path on the major sports programs, and she had a lot of success with Dennis Gates. Maybe that will embolden her to do something similar in the football realm. So Eli knows he's got to produce this year. Yeah, I, my biggest disappointment was when I found out Missouri State's head coach, Bobby Petrino, had become the offensive coordinator for AM because basically he just hired Jimbo's replacement. Yeah. Because you know what's going to He had a lot of success in Missouri State, which is not an easy place to have success. And he's had success everywhere he's basically gone. And like Hugh Freeze, you have to go through this sort of re- the, yeah. the car wash and have all the dirt washed from you, basically at the lower levels for purgatory. Got to get you, yeah. Got to get you. Got to get scrubbed clean so they can reintroduce you back onto the college football landscape. I felt like if Eli Drinkwitz laid another egg this year and Petrina was still then at Missouri State, what an easy transmission transition that would be for him to become Missouri's head coach. But now, uh, you know, at A and M, he's basically been installed as the heir you know, apparent. My guess is is that if uh, Jimbo has a, another disappointing season by the by week eight, you might see a Bobby Petrino win. Oh yeah, and MT. For, for sure. Yeah, I uh, I would. I, I mean, I'm eager for Missouri once. You know, I don't think we've ever just hired a guy with a lot of dirt under his fingernails out of the gates, knowing that's what he was. But if we were to ever do that, I mean, you know, that's not, say Jimbo has a great year and Petrino doesn't want to be a coordinator anymore. He does want to coach somewhere, maybe in the SEC. 
Uh, I'll just remind him, we have a volleyball program here, a women's volleyball program. Yep. And several motorcycle dealerships in Columbia. That's right. There's a Harley place right off of I-70 and a volleyball <laughs> program. Columbia College has a volleyball program. Um, mm-hmm. Stevens, I think, maybe even does. So three college volleyball programs and a Harley dealership. So yep. I don't know, Bobby. Think about it. Think about it. All right, Colin. I think on that upbeat note, it's it's time to sign off. I'm enjoying ramping this up. Let's try to bring more to the old listeners. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Your mother's pussy stinks. <laughs>